This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hey everyone and welcome back to a new episode of Inside China Tech. I'm Zen Su, a tech reporter with the South China Morning Post. So last week we had Edith Young, a venture capitalist who runs a blockchain fund. And she was talking about, you know, the current issues of stricter immigration restrictions on Chinese students and tech talent. She's a super interesting person who has had a lot of experience in blockchain. So we decided to keep her in the studio and ask her more about it and where the technology is heading. So Edith has some very fascinating insights into not just the potential for blockchain to change how we bank and how we do business, but also, you know, really cool insights into how the mainland China is viewing and adopting blockchain that is slightly different from how the rest of the world is doing it. So let's get right into it. Edith, congratulations on your new fund, by the way, Proof of Capital. I believe that's thank you. Very Zen. recent. Yeah, you want to tell us a little bit more about、uh, what this fund is? I'm very excited about the new fund. Proof of Capital is a blockchain-focused、uh, venture capital fund,、uh, 50 million, focused on early up to B、uh, in terms of stage. I think we're really, really excited about the blockchain space, and、uh, in terms of focus, mainly focus on three different area. Um, number one, the most obvious use case for blockchain is absolutely finance related,、um, not the crazy crypto stuff, but really about like the true mass adoption of what you're going to use blockchain for.、Um, think about payment, remittances, digital asset wallet,、uh, custody solution, exchanges. These are just a few example where you already see substantial and unicorn level companies already in these sort of areas. Really, really exciting to see. Um, second area is around、um, more infrastructure of the blockchain space,、um, regardless as privacy, security, identity, scalability. These, if you think about, you know, a tech ecosystem, you not you can't only think about application. You also need to think about who's going to be the next AWS, like who is going to be like the hardware, the metal of this whole infrastructure. So we are very excited about you know sort of true adoption. Um, infrastructure level、um, and projects that we want to invest in, and also on the hardware side, we're very comfortable as well.、Um, definitely a very exciting time. Yeah. So, is this fund、um, concentrated、uh, specifically in the Greater China region or in U.S. as well? Or、um, I is you know I'm always been about you know, China and U.S. cross border. I think that the hot spot、um, in terms of blockchain talents is definitely between Beijing, Shenzhen, Silicon Valley. Like these are the cities where you will find people with very very strong background of like blockchain development, cryptography, security. I think without you know talent, there's no great companies. So we will continue to like focus on like China cross border, China and US. Yeah. So so this is obviously very blockchain focused. What is it about blockchain that you find so exciting that you've decided you know to have this fund that's dedicated? So, so remember earlier today, I was telling you about I was watching this、uh, CCTV、um, like、public、um, video about how Chinese government is educating、um, the Chinese population on what is blockchain, and literally coming from CCTV, blockchain is like the best thing since sliced bread, the best thing since since the born of the internet.、Um, what I really, really enjoyed learning about blockchain, it really changed the way how I think about trust. 
think about you know who owns what like privacy and data ownership and i think you know after now somewhat 15 20 years or the iphone now is 11 or 12 years old there's just such a large amount of data mostly owned by sort of the the, the great eight uh, of internet companies, right? So in China is the BAT, Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent. And in the US is you know, Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. And Amazon. Yeah. And if you think about like these eight companies and the amount of data you and I generating every day is owned by all these guys, like, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. And you know, you see Facebook getting into so much trouble uh, monetizing our data. Um, is not just the data part, it's really all about trust. Um, so I think the concept of like blockchain could potentially enable t- uh, the way that we re-architect the internet and mostly around how we restructure the way that we own data. And that's why I'm excited about blockchain. But having said that, you know, I, I think right now, in, in terms of particular cross-border China-US, and you know, a, f- a year earlier, you see a lot of really negative news about how China is blocking crypto. Um, but blockchain technology is absolutely something like Chinese government is very, very supportive of like pushing forward. You see like BAT, they all have their own sort of private blockchain enterprise standard that they are pushing out. Um, I just have so much fun watching this whole CCTV education, although a little bit different definition of what blockchain is about. Um, in the Chinese government, definition of it is not necessary. Uh, decentralization is about this intermediary, um, no more middlemen. So I guess the definition between you know, the, the, the China and the West is a little bit different. Um, but to me, in my head, is is a really, really great signal where you know, the whole the whole world in my head is the two powerhouses, China, US, and both of these two countries have so many talent and exciting project that we're looking at. Yeah. So like, you know, with um, blockchain uh, and crypto, like, you know, you're you're talking about, it seems like what everyone seems to be maybe a little bit wary about is like the crypto that had like that big bubble and everything. But like, like you said, the Chinese government is still very excited about the potentials of this technology even though like it's quite funny that you say it's intermediary so basically they think that like it's an inter like no more middlemen between the Chinese government and the well basically in in some way not only the Chinese government you see a lot of the in in Asia you know uh, Japan and Thailand Singapore Hong Kong even you know the Hong Kong uh, trade finance system is actually powered by blockchain so you started to see government realized that you know what um we don't want to be the last last one to even realize what's happening right we don't want the internet to pass us by and so now in in some way to me it's not necessarily a bad thing where you know governments may want to be part of the network you know part of uh, what I call like the super node, and you know, government is not necessarily you know wanted to be left behind. In fact, some of them are taking a more active role um, in in terms of research and funding and want to push certain things forward. Um, I think you know, being in this space, it always I think that the, the population always sort of interchangeably about 
blockchain and crypto, uh, they are really not the same. Obviously, the incentive of it, you know, having token and crypto incentivize a lot of the developers, open source developers and or mining companies and want to support this is how they get the reward. But I think like the key thing is, you know, if we wanted to push the whole industry forward, is that I actually, you know, I'm glad that Chinese government or U.S. government is paying close attention and in some way helping to set certain standard so people don't go crazy. Um, and it's really, blockchain is actually about transparency. Um, is really not should not be, you know, for all those hype and and crazy people trying to do all these crazy ICO. It's really not about that. Mm. So 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 far, what is like the most transformational sort of application you've seen that has used blockchain as a technology? Like what what really you know changed the way you thought about it? Yeah. So our. Our first investments um, is a company called Ubanks, and they are actually a fiat to crypto exchange based out of Argentina. And the reason why we we invested in that is not just they want to be like Coinbase of Latin America. Coinbase is already a eight billion dollar company and generating generating at least three digit millions revenue the last couple of years. And it's because if you look at the South America, Latin America, right now their currency is literally at 15 years low. Looking at Venezuela, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, all the currency is just so unstable that digital currency actually play a role. Um, not just the, with the crazy Bitcoin or Ethereum, but really even just for stable coin, like many of them would rather hold US dollar. Um, so it's actually serving a not economic and social challenges. Um, having Eubanks to be there and to support the population. So we're very excited you know, to be part of that. And we, I'm excited about exchanges in general because there are already very, very strong Chinese player and very, very strong U.S. player. Um, the China one is Binance, Huobi, OKEX. They, you know, they're all from China originally. In the U.S., you see Coinbase. But I think that just similar to like the strategy seeing uh, Tencent and Alibaba recently being actually fairly active in Southeast Asia, India, and also South America. You see a lot of M&A and also investment that is going from China to these region. I think in the blockchain space, very, very similar situation will happen as well, where there is going to be super talented engineers and founders from from China to go to all these various different countries, because you know if you think about it, China and and Southeast Asia or Latin America, you, it's basically you know th- these region are uh, China 10, 15 years ago, and Chinese is very very hardworking, and in this case, no longer just nine nine six, literally it'll be twenty four by seven now, work around the clock, in all time zone. Um, but I have been spending a lot of time, particularly in Southeast Asia, when I when I go there and meet some of these founders, what they want to learn is not Silicon Valley. They want to learn what, what China is doing and learn from their experience. Yeah, this is also, you know, like as I report, like I also sort of watch the Southeast Asia region. It's very interesting to sort of see companies like Grab and Gojek, like now they're doing all this super app sort of ecosystems. Like I think a lot of them are looking towards China as like a way of like doing things, you know, whether or not it's in terms of business model. So, you know, I'm certain that in like for something like blockchain, it would be 
Oh so, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Then you, you, your hometown, Singapore. Mm-hmm. Now Grab moved you know, to Singapore as a headquarters, and I absolutely see. I made a comment the other day. I thought it's kind of fun. Um, in the eighties, like we sort of talked about, like the the four dragons uh, in Asia, right? And I now I think that mobile payment also have the four dragon. <laughs> um, obvious one is like Hangzhou with Alipay, um, Shenzhen slash Hong Kong have like WeChat Pay, and uh, Singapore with Grab, and then also with Jakarta for Gojek. And you will see Grab and Gojek is definitely learning the super app model, as you said. What you know WeChat and Alipay is doing is very very exciting to see. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, I just wanna. Just a disclaimer, since we were talking about Alibaba and, and financial here, sometimes um, that SCMP is owned by Alibaba. Yeah, I mean, you know, even with N Financial, I think they use blockchain. Uh, I think they they've been looking a lot into blockchain. Like I think um, last year, I believe they launched like a remittance service that's built on blockchain technology. And yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that blockchain is you know going to be a really transformational sort of technology. But while there are all of these upsides, what are some of the challenges that? You know, governments or companies, you know, might face in this in this era because you know we've been hearing a lot about blockchain for several years now, but I'm not sure if like mainstream adoption if it's mm. if it's starting. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, one one thing I do want to like put it out there just to demystify the word blockchain is is really the, the way that I explain to my mother is this is a data architecture distributed ledger. And if is really working for for the normal consumer, they shouldn't even know that this is happening. Means because it's really about their architecture and data infrastructure. So, I think in terms of adoption, and let's say I'm I'm going to you know start using the blockchain infrastructure for payment and remittances. Why why is Filipino made in Hong Kong need to worry about oh like there's all these blockchain stuff behind? All they care about is their daughter or their mom is going to get my salary that they send from Hong Kong. So in in this sense, I think sometimes, you know, a lot of the, 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 the public like to sort of jump ahead. He said, where's the adoption? Where's the adoption? No one talks about, hey, is uh, are you using AWS uh, for this app? It just doesn't make any sense. So in this say, I, I guess like we started to pick something where it is super geeky and it is really back end, um, but is really a backbone technology um, that we're investing in. So I actually would rather my mom never knew that this is built on a blockchain. All I want them to realize that, wow, now everything is cheaper, more efficient and more transparent. Why in the world are we still paying, I don't know how many percent to Western Union to, to send you know, it's a small $1,000 Hong Kong salary back to Philippines, then you take at least, I don't know how many percent for my hardware money. It just doesn't make any sense. And so in this case, I, not, I, I have a lot of really awesome banker friends in, in Hong Kong, but I really think that if the banks don't do something about this, they will become sort of the telco, become the dump pipe of money. And for us, it's really about how do we improve efficiency of flow of data? And the money part is only one part of it. Um, in China, you started to see, um, actually not only China, mm. uh, Estonia 
mm. as a prime country where, okay, it's only not more than 2 million people, but their whole entire government infrastructure is built on blockchain. They use it for identity. They use like medical record is all like on the blockchain. They can vote. Okay, this has nothing to do with blockchain, but they can vote on mobile. So there are so many things, a certain case study is already there where the idea is actually about transparency. By the way, there's a whole lot of things that should never build on a blockchain at all. Like and what? <laughs> like, like, for example, there's a lot of people sort of talk about, oh my God, can you use blockchain and uh, let's, let's build some, okay, I know some gaming blockchain people will hate me, but like gamers care less about this game is built on a blockchain or not because it's too slow. So it's not definitely not for that. Game development is really about how fun the game is being played and how do you actually operate a game to you know, run campaigns and virtual goods and whatnot. Um, so I don't think like if there's anything that is super fast in terms of transaction speed, like there's no nothing wrong to use a centralized database. So. I, I highly encourage as much as I love it and I really enjoy it as a really geeky person. But at the end of the day, I think that you know the adoption part even is being adopted. No, no consumer will even notice. Um, but is right now the infrastructure from a government point of view, from a developer point of view, is really really good thing to see. A lot of very talented engineers are all working and contribute to this new infrastructure that we're building. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it really sounds like in the perfect use case scenario sort of thing where blockchain would be the infrastructure that it should just run and we wouldn't even know that that's the that's what that's what the backbone is basically mm-hmm. right So uh, are there any other interesting trends in blockchain you're seeing? Um, another one that I found it um, so I think like the whole industry, taught me a lot of things because just to start with to think about on the use cases part where um, recently I think about three four months ago Fidelity actually announced that they're going to have a new product that is support uh, Bitcoin custody solution and then Goldman Sachs also invested in a Bitcoin custody company called BitGo and sorry what is Bitcoin custody ah uh, basically in in the fiat world, right? Um, there are there are banks, custody banks, that really all they do is to hold money on your behalf, uh, hold your asset on your behalf. And in in the normal money world, there are four banks that actually control eighty percent of the worldwide uh, financial custodies, and they are State Street, BNY Mellon, uh, JP Morgan, and Chase. So each of them own about ten to fifteen percent in terms of market share. You're talking about trillions of dollars, where I, I hold it for you and, and give me some gold. I put it in a mountain somewhere. So they literally in charge of many of their clients' money. And so now fast forward. And in fact, if you think about it, everything that is important to you and I, unless I don't believe any of us put money under our pillow anymore, right? Now you trust your banks, uh, let's say HSBC, the great banks to hold our money, but we don't really touch most things, and particularly in China, you basically use Alipay and WeChat Pay. So the concept of digital asset custody means, hey, I own a whole lot of these uh, shares of this particular company. It's all digital, and let's say I own, I do own uh, my my fav- favorite crypto kitty 
And I don't trust myself for me to hold it in my wallet. And I'm going to have somebody else to hold it for me because they will have a vault. Like they will have enough security um, and use cryptography to protect it. So that's what digital asset custody is about. So it's like the, the digital version of like like vault. some bank holding gold in like a mountain, but this is like in, in a digital version. That's correct. Yeah, so, okay. so the digital gold mountain, um, what's really fascinating is that once um, both Fidelity and Goldman Sachs have announced some of their movement, we've been I actually been spending a lot of time talking to really boring um, banks and really wanted to learn how they think about this. And surprisingly, what's exciting is they they started to actually wanted to learn and also wanted to explore because after all, it not. Things that are important to us are not really physical anymore. It's actually all digital. So, you know, not just for cryptocurrency. It's like in the future, there's so many things is gonna all be digitized. How do we actually protect it and to make sure that some hacker is not gonna steal our password to our medical record? There's a lot of things that we need to build to protect us. And that's like another area that I'm actively looking and investing. Um, in terms of startup and companies, because it's something that will touch you and I and, and really disrupt traditional banking as well. And you can find out more about Edith's Proof of Capital Fund at proof.fund. So that's P-R-O-O-F dot F-U-N-D. Yeah, so don't forget, if you want to check out the cool tech content that we put out on our site, whether it's a blockchain or other really cool stories, you can head on down to scmp.com slash tech. Finally, you can also follow me on Twitter at Zensu. That's at Z-E-N-S-O-O. Last but not least, if you like this podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes. We are also available on Spotify and Stitcher. So I'll see you next week. Bye.